0: This chapter forms part of episode 40 of the Education Research Reading Room podcast on online learning. Before listening, I highly recommend that you listen to the chapter introduction in order to get a sense of what's in this chapter as well as each of the other six. And if you enjoy this chapter, please share it with friends and colleagues. Chapter 7, Nadine Bailey on the role of tech in education. Nadine Bailey is the teacher, librarian and technology integrator at Western Academy of Beijing. In the middle school following the IB Middle Years Program. She was previously the Primary Program librarian in Singapore. Nadine trained as an accountant and is a midlife career changer who has re-educated to education. Nadine has lived in ten countries and is passionate about literacy, home language, and lifelong education. Nadine Bailey, welcome to the Education Research Reading Room.
1: Hi. I'm so flattered. I was I was doing a little dance when I got your Twitter message because I've been recommending your podcast to everybody. And I was um yeah, I just get so excited when somebody's doing podcasts like this. Um I love the questions. I love like, the fact that you're really digging deep into some of these topics and kind of being on a mission to get educators up on the whole scientific literature and you know, people debating the, the, the John Hattie thing was <laughs> quite a, quite an interesting one for me as well. So, uh, yeah.
0: It was. Well, it's wonderful to have you on as well, Nadine, and we'll, we'll keep digging in today. Um, could you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay. So, I'm, um, by training, I'm actually an accountant. Okay um and then I'm a career changer so uh I requalified um actually in uh Charles Stewart University in Australia and I did two back-to-back masters one in um information systems and one in as a master of education and then I went into teacher librarianship so um I started off interning while I was studying and then i um got my own little primary library in the primary years program of the ib and now that was in singapore and currently i'm in beijing at the western academy of beijing and i'm teacher librarian in the middle years program of the ib and uh we have grades uh, 6 to 8 in my section And I'm also their technology integrator, so I've got a kind of um, half-half role.
0: Okay, fantastic. Could you tell us a little bit about the Western Academy, Beijing?
1: Um, We're one of the top schools in Beijing. Uh, We're pretty innovative. Uh, We've um, been doing this um, program where we're trying to think about the future of education for students. Um, So we are trying to be at um, giving students a lot more agency. We've invested a lot in changing our spaces, um, for example, and um, ironically enough, this um, whole online learning period is really pushing the envelope as far as um, the whole idea of student agency and innovative education practices. So, uh yeah we we're having some interesting times but in some ways we were psychologically perhaps better prepared for the idea that education can have a enormous disruption.
0: Mm, fair enough. Well that's a good place to be at this time. Could you tell us a bit more about your your roles at the school what 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 exactly do you do?
1: Um, so on the library side, uh, I do a lot of collaboration with teachers to try and make sure we can curate the best resources for um, students. I'm also a bit of a devil's advocate sometimes. So when they uh, we plan a unit, I'll suggest um, things um, based on what other Uh, classes have already done in different years or uh, what their peers might be doing because sometimes departments can get into a little bit of a silo and they're not always aware that oh, this might link quite nicely to what people are doing in science or did you know in grade 7 they did this aspect of this um, concept so perhaps we can kind of provoke or activate what they've done before and um, take that forward in grade 8 for example. Um, So a lot of curation. Um, On the tech side, I had a somewhat lesser role um, in the physical space. Um, It was more really getting people up and running, doing a bit of tech training, um, helping students um, be tech ready. And now I'd say it's probably 150% of my job. (laughs) Um so things have changed a bit I I keep on trying to creep um back into the library things making sure that uh we have a well stocked digital library um curating lists of books um helping teachers think about how to continue with students reading in this time so um and then of course the whole librarian um instinct to carefully curate There's been this huge dump of information on people, and it wasn't quite so bad when it was just us in Asia or just uh, us in China in this situation, but now the whole world's on board with the online learning. The amount of information and resources um, being dumped on people is just huge. And so I use my library guides to just try and curate a very small relevant number of apps and tools and recommendations and infographics and whatever um, for our staff. And I actually don't add a lot, even now that there's so much out there, just because people can only process so much information at one time. Mm. And people are already overloaded and over-exhausted with what they're seeing and Mm.
0: That's a doing. good point. That's a great point. Could you talk us through I mean how how many weeks are you in now to to online online education?
1: Um I'm I'm trying to work out but I we started um officially with our students on the 3rd of February. Um so I think we're going into our ninth week if I'm not incorrect. Mm. Um we uh, the week before that was our Chinese New Year break, so during that um Myself and the EdTech people and and the senior leadership were kind of trying to get everything up and ready for the fact that we wouldn't be coming back to school. So I think, yeah, I don't know what that makes it, nine or ten weeks, something like that.
0: Okay, and and tell us about those first meetings. What were some of the topics that you debated and, and tried to nut out?
1: um well of course we weren't even meeting uh, physically by then we were already we, you know we literally went straight into lockdown there was no um, hesitation the um, chinese government and the local authorities were actually really on the ball as far as that was concerned um i'm physically in in switzerland at the moment and i was absolutely shocked when we came here just how blase everybody was about this mm. um, this virus. So we had online meetings. We basically um, made sure that in our learning management platform, I can talk mostly to middle school now, that we had a tab um, that was uh, called School Closure, and we had a discussion forum there so that we could take virtual attendance. Um, one of the most important things we talked about is having a single point of entry for students um, because in the real world and in platforms generally, uh, teachers get their favorites and they get or they bring think something from what they liked in their previous school um, and then they kind of make sure their students are using that and then when they leave, the students have to move on to something else. Mm. So it takes quite strong leadership in the situation to say, that innovation is great, but we do need certain things that are standard are mandatory, um, setting up kind of procedures. a lot of it was setting up structures, procedures um expectations um and also with the view that in time, you might have to revise those, but at least have something for everybody to hold on to. Mm. Because we broke during Chinese New Year, we also had teachers on vacation all over the place. We had students on vacation all over the place. Some had their laptops with them, some didn't have their laptops with them. You know we've still got kids on iPhones or on tablets, or in the beginning, we had kids could go to public libraries where they were and use the um technology there. That's all fallen away mm. uh, so <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so you mentioned the, the structures that you kind of established right at the start. What, what kind of structures did you put in place at the outset?
1: Um, we, we set up, um, like I say, the closure tab. We also set up in our advisory, we used Moodle as our learning management system in um, middle school. Um, we also set up uh, one specific um, structure there which we would use for attendance every day. So the idea was um, we set up, for example, every Monday the um, class mentors. So we have a mentorship uh, structure that was part of our future of education um, plan was we have our homerooms with 22 students. And then each homeroom is split into two mentors who look after 11 students. So that was incredibly, that was a pre-closure thing that we've been doing now for two years that then became incredibly valuable once we moved online because each student could point to an adult and an adult had a group of 11 students that they could really look after from Mm -hmm. a pastoral uh, point of view. Um, So having those structures in place prior to closure really helped and then we set that up in Moodle so that every day they get a welcome message. So we said the welcome message has to be there before 8.30 in the morning. And they go there every morning to see what the day's plan was. So we're on a block schedule, um, eight-day block schedule. And then we have a day nine, which was an off-schedule day. So we've kept the block schedule, but we asynchronous. So... If your block's A, B, C, D on a Monday, you should be able to expect that you can check into your homeroom in the morning to take attendance. We don't take attendance per class, but we do take engagement per subject.
0: Tell us more about that. No no, no attendance per class, but engagement per subject. What does that mean?
1: Um, so we... Have our attendance in our mental groups, and attendance is very loosely. It's probably got about an 18 to 20 hour uh, rather than a, a specific day attendance. Um, and that's just to make sure that students can get online and can find things. And we have extensive spreadsheets of engagement of students, so we have it in general. And then we have per subject, um, and we've got those structures up in our um, OneNote system for our faculty. And then in the class, the way that students, because asynchronously, we've we've never had this. Um, this is the day's plan, and we expect you to be in class for this these p- specific times. And that's worked quite well because students on an online environment if you want to give them proper agency it means my teenager wakes up at 10 or 11 and he'll work through to midnight and somebody else might be working different hours so to try and force an online class that's in lockstep when uh, people might be moving house they might be moving country they might be flying uh, it's just an unfair system to try and take attendance in that way Mm. however this teachers are still setting tasks, and again, giving agency to teachers, teachers can choose whether they say on a Monday, these are your tasks for the week, or they can say, so typically you'll see students three times in one week and twice in another, so now they can say, right, for this week, these are our expectations for you and then they'll have you know little mini engagements or tasks for the students to do or even assessments or assignments depending on where they are in the unit cycle and then if the students do it that's considered as being um engaged and attending okay. if, if they don't do it then we need to we have an um escalation uh, procedure in, in place
0: cool um what, what I mean what's the escalation procedure
1: so and also this is also per student really because we had some students who were in their home countries and then said we're not opting in for the school's online learning because we're going to enroll our students into a local school mm. So they were then absent, let's say for six out of the eight weeks, and now we're finding as schools closed down in different jurisdictions, they're coming back on, broad, on board. Right. So, so um, in that case, there was no escalation. There was a note on the students' file to say attending online, um, uh, offline classes in their in their neighbourhood. Um, however, they would like to join in, and sometimes students said, you know, we're going to do stuff at school, but we'd still like to do math and science online um, with your school. So we were like, okay, that's fine. And now they're all coming back and now there's this um, thing of there's no expectation to catch up with what they missed. However, now, you know, we're just going to get let them carry on on the stream. But coming back to our escalation, in the first instance, the student would be emailed by the teacher. If there was no response, then the parent would be added in the email. Um still no response. Um we have two school counsellors, so um they kind of split the student load between them. So we'd refer it to student counselor or if they were on the special needs list we'd involve the special needs educator and then it would escalate up to the principal, vice principal who would really try and engage the parents and the students to mm. follow up. And just to understand in the first instance, really to understand, right? Mm. Not to say, well, you haven't done your homework and why aren't you online or whatever, but, you know, really trying to understand, you know, empathy now and kindness is huge. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah.
0: That's a great point. That's a really fantastic takeaway. Um, so, are you doing any face-to-face classes or not Not face-to-face, but online face-to-face classes?
1: I. Classes is a big um, is a big word. So, the expectation is that we try and have two face to face occurrences per week for the various subjects and for the mental group. So, one of the interesting things as you go online is that idea of moving from my students and my class and my subject to our students, our class, our subject. So if you have an educator, say let's just t- take our math science in grade eight. We One of our educators is in Beijing and one is in Canada, and we've got students spread all over the world. So now instead of saying, well, this homeroom was my science class or my math class, and they, I want them to come to my class. We we now offer sessions at various times of the day in order to cater for them by two different teachers, and so there's more that sharing of, um, right, now we're going to discuss quadratic equations, and we're going to be discussing them at these different times. In terms of delivering material, that's usually also asynchronous in the form of um screencasting or doing something on explain everything and taping it and putting it up so students can access the videos at any time cool. and then when you meet it's more for checking in troubleshooting uh explaining extra concepts where students are struggling, something like that.
0: great well, what's explain everything
1: it's um it's a <laughs> they them they market themselves as a Infinite Whiteboard. So it's one of the tech tools that we've been um, subscribing to for teachers. And uh, teachers can use this tool to um, explain anything and everything. Mm -hmm. And also um, you can collaborate with students on the tool as well. Um, It's got some cool maths uh, capabilities as well. So uh, teachers can also multicast, so they'll have um, explain everything going on um, their iPads, for examples, um, where they can then annotate with pencils, and then they'll be um, casting that via their laptop so they can have themselves and the students in view. So um, these things work quite well together.
0: Fantastic. Um, You mentioned Moodle before. What's Moodle?
1: moodle's a very old clunky learning management system um i'll admit we've been looking for a great learning system learning management system now for over two years over no probably longer three four years it goes back before my time um and it's incredibly hard to find a good learning management system so it's something that's been in the school forever and we just keep on using it. Um, It's actually pretty good if you use it well, but it's got an incredibly steep learning curve. So people who are not dinosaurs like myself from uh, the time of MS-DOS and used to frustrating clicking around to see what's going to work find it quite um, difficult um, to get on board with. However, it's incredibly stable. It works very, very well. Um, no matter where you are. Um, Not everybody uses it. Uh, We host it internally, so it doesn't fall down on us. Hmm. Um, And it's got some pretty good analytics. Um, And there are really good ways of using it um, to individualize learning, but um, it's pretty clunky in terms of uploading and downloading, and um, it doesn't have a lot of drag-and-drop, features and things, so um, we want something new, but everything we've looked at so far, uh, just uh, such a disappointing landscape, but I'm hopeful, I'm so hopeful that all these people are going to put money into developing things that really meet, um, meet student needs and meet teacher needs. To allow students, you know, we, we've we always been, at WAB, we're really trying to break that hierarchy of being in lockstep with your peers and, um, you know, not allowing students to be able to go much further um, if they want to and can and need to, and not allowing other students to take longer over certain things. Mm. and. And that's been, you know, there are plenty of great learning management systems out there. If you want to keep to the same paradigm of education as classes, subjects, everybody doing the same thing at the same time and stopping and starting at the same time. So um, I think part of our frustration with everything in, in learning management system is not having uh, learner ownership over their portfolios and their works, you know, the teachers and the classes and the system own them and students not being able to, you know, not being able to take your curriculum and say, right, these are our curriculum benchmarks. Um, You have multiple opportunities to prove you've met those benchmarks and move on. Um, So, you know, we've just Mm. been struggling finding anybody who's thinking um, in this way and allowing these things to be possible for our students.
0: That's really interesting. So you'd, you're saying you want a learning management system where the student can kind of look at each of the, I don't know, we could think of them as ladders Ladders of the different subjects with all the curriculum benchmarks, and they can choose which ladder to climb when and at, at which rate and things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so they're not, if they're in grade, you know, we have a few students, for example, in grade four, who are doing mathematics at um, kind of pre-university level. And um, you know, you need to be able to differentiate for that. Um we have a lot of um people who are Chinese native uh, speakers. So in most classes we have five streams of Chinese, um, but it's still per grade, and you know, you want people to be able to just go as far and reach as high as they can. And on the other hand, we have some students, um, you know, may, they may be English uh, language learners. So you want them to be able to pace themselves not per grade and not, but rather per level and then to go as fast as they can or as slow as they need mm-hmm. to. Um, we have some students with learning issues. Um, so they may need to say, be in grade six and access literacy at a grade four level, for example, mm-hmm. until they can catch up, but then not be in a grade four class where they have to move up year by year. So,
0: Fair enough. That's very interesting. Can, I'd like to talk a little bit more about how you're doing doing everything at the moment. So the picture I've got, I've managed to garner so far. Um, teachers do screencasts or provide some resources for students to learn. Um, they have a couple of check-ins per or per week for each subject um, what else what else happens within this online learning that you're, you're doing at the moment
1: uh, we have um, dialogue some some of our so teams we we've, we've moved a lot of people have moved on to teams they're finding it much more motivational for students just because the interface looks a lot nicer to to the teachers and the, the students when, from the when back compared end, to what to Moodle okay. so from the back end for us as kind of tech people uh, structurally you, you saw on my blog post um, we struggle with a lot of you know the the very flat uh, no hierarchical kind of this came from corporate um, things so but that aside from that if you're just a teacher with a class um, there's there's a lot of daily engagement and comments and questions and posting of things. So, for the motivation of students, um, nearly daily check-in. Aside from, here's my screencast or here's my here's my live. So the live, the expectation for live is only twice a week, but you know lessons and content continue whenever you would otherwise be teaching that subject. Mm,
0: Okay. Um,
1: And emails, thousands of emails. (laughs) Oh no. Thousands. If I can give anyone advice, it is to very, you know, that thing of start the way you want to carry on, very quickly try and wean your teachers and students off individual emails into something communal because if you get asked a question once, you're probably going to be asked that question another thousand times <laughs> yeah. and um and and I think everyone feels feels the obligation to to answer those emails and I'm trying to say to people say to them, "That's a great question. I'm going to put that up in the discussion forum and answer it there so everybody can see it mm-hmm. or that's a great question do you mind posting it in our daily check-in so that everybody can see it and also the answer because um over time it's just not sustainable to have all these individual emails going
0: totally let's let's talk a little bit about how you use teams I'd love to know where people are putting information um, where you do the announcements because there's a whole heap of different ways that teams can be used and there's lots of different mm-hmm. um, functionalities within it so could you walk us through what uh, a, a standard teacher how a standard teacher will be using it at, at web
1: yeah um i'll I'll start off by saying we probably are not best practice. I know from the and you might want to get them to talk about it. I know from the um webinars that uh Microsoft have been putting out that Brisbane Catholic education and the University of New South Wales are probably um forerunners in in best practice, and I've got a little note to myself to try and get hold of someone there to to find out. So we have um, some of our subjects were forerunners in the using of teams, and so, for example, our design um, department was using it a lot for assessments. They have a very nice assignments um, side to that, And um, so they were still putting all their lesson content in Moodle. However, they moved their um, assignments over to Teams because you get a very nice overview of who's viewed the assignment. Um, You can go in and you can have the, the really nice thing is that constant loop of feedback because we're not the kind of school who would say, right, um here's your assignment you know also working in the ib structure with the middle years program the idea isn't it's a high stakes uh winners and losers type of assessment you you usually have a module over six to eight weeks where you're working on a certain inquiry um and you have different phases of formative and summative assessment and so teams works quite nicely that way you create an assessment. Um, It's a kind of template. Each student gets a copy of that. So it could be a a Word document. It could be a PowerPoint. Um, It could be any of the word an Excel spreadsheet, whatever. And then the student can view it. They can do some work on it. You can see who's at what point and you can give ongoing feedback as in, OK, you're going in the right direction, but you could do a little bit more of that or a little bit less of that. And then you return it to them. They carry on with the work. They return it back to you. And then finally, when, when both sides are kind of satisfied, this, this is kind of the best work that the student's capable of doing. They turn it in finally and you can... Um, assess them according to the rubric. So the rubric's really quite nice. You set up a rubric, you can highlight where they are on the rubric for all the different elements. And then in our case, we don't give points per rubric point, but we give an overall assessment at the end um, Mm -hmm. with a grade. And there are, we haven't, we're working on it now, but we haven't implemented that. But you can connect that to your student information system and your learning management system. So that end grade could also be uploaded into your grade book. So, for example, we use uh, PowerSchool. So it could also be connected directly from Teams into PowerSchool, which would mean they won't need to do things twice. Mm. And that I think is that's what technology is about, right? Minimizing the clicks, minimizing the amount of duplication. Um, you know, streamlining things so that it goes right through. Um, our science, we've got a couple of science teachers now who are experimenting with using the class notebook tool which is also extremely powerful where you can have your um, teacher collaboration, you have your content library that can then be pushed out to all students or specific students and you have a collaborative space where everybody can also be working. I will say there, Teams is getting there but they're not quite there. So we're getting quite frustrated now because um we can't group things nicely. So, you know, you either have all your students in grade seven in one group and then with three teachers and they want to do things at slightly different place paces of slightly different ways. And then they can't group students, say only this group of students gets this assignment and that group otherwise you have to create a whole new team per teacher, so I'm kind of pushing teams to to do better in terms of helping us in that way. Okay. On the other hand, it's helping us force collaboration where sometimes collaboration wasn't working as much as it could have been working.
0: Cool. I'd love to come back to that. But I'm um, just honing in on that how you're using assignments a little bit more. So, you set an assignment. So, yeah, I've used assignments just once or twice with my students now in the holidays trying to get them to submit stuff and just get a feel for things. Um, you can see when they've viewed it, you can yeah. see when they've uploaded something, then you yeah. go in again and you can see what they've uploaded and then there's like a feedback tab there. How, yeah. how do you do a back and forth there? Because that looks to me is like the way I interpret it anyway was like it comes in, you look at it, you mark it with the rubric, you give feedback. So how have you yeah. turned that into more of an iterative process?
1: Um, we use the comments quite a lot so um, there's a comment function so you can comment and get that comment dialogue going. Okay. Um,
0: Is that within the assessment thing?
1: Yeah, within the assessment. Okay. So if you are uh, you give the assessment on either Word or on um, PowerPoint, you just highlight something and click the comment box and then you can just give okay. comments and then they can resolve the comments.
0: I have to explore something that. I can Google. I have to explore that. That sounds really powerful. Yeah. Back to collaboration now. Tell us how you've been using um, Microsoft Teams to do collaboration.
1: So besides our class um, and we have our, our, say, science class or math class, we have teams for that. We also have um, grade level um, teams for the different mentor groups within that grade level. Um, we also have an all-student um, team where we've actually done a whole school assembly, which was quite cool. And then we kind of did our usual announcements and whatever. And then the students um, broke out into their homerooms and each homeroom had a teacher. And we did this fun Kahoot um, competition in the break breakout rooms. And then they all came back to the main assembly. Uh, which would have been great except it didn't work all over (laughs) so where it did work, it was great and the students loved it and where it didn't work, it didn't work (laughs) Mm. and yeah, people have become quite stoic about it, okay, it didn't work, too bad, let's move on.
0: Mm. So, when you say they broke out into groups, so you you have to basically create a team in Microsoft Teams for each subgroup of people, is that how that works and then they kind of click out of that team and then click into another team?
1: Yeah, so in this instance we had the main team was all our um middle school teachers and students and then we had private channels for each homeroom and so they went back into the homeroom did whatever they were doing in their homeroom um also just for because the homerooms and mentor groups are quite strong have strong affinity of course because we've been building that on offline all year. Mm. Um, so it's nice for them to see their homeroom classmates and their homeroom teachers. And then they went back into the general group and kind of rejoined the, the meeting there. And then for teachers, we have – so I have a ed tech group for um, myself and the ed tech people. And so it's IT support and myself and my peers in elementary and high school and the ed tech director. And then um, we have a middle school leadership team and we have a head of department team and grade level lead team and we have a all faculty and staff team. So we have all these different spaces and then for example, the language and literature teachers have their own team where they do their collaborative planning. So I joined in one of their meetings um, on Friday or Thursday or Friday and so we were chatting with about the upcoming unit. Um, so it's used in all different ways by all different people for different purposes.
0: That's great. And it's great to get all the, all the teachers onto Teams using it as Teams because I guess you'd work out lots of great ways to use it with each other and then you can use it in that way with your students yeah. as well.
1: Yeah. And then we have people who give um, kind of online PD on um, – So, for example, this week I did one for our math science teachers and I did one for our language teachers, but anybody could join any of them. Um, But it was more focused for how it would work within their subject. And then, for example, somebody else would say, hey, this is how I'm going to do a PD um, at this and this time about how to combine, um, explain everything with Teams. This is how I'm using it in my math class. And then people can join and see how that's working.
0: Okay, so you do that as a live, like, web video with screen yeah. sharing. But you don't do live classes with your students.
1: Um, yeah, well, we, yeah, it's kind of, we have classes set, but if students don't attend, it's okay. You okay. know what I mean?
0: And the, okay, and those classes. Classes are more just for for checking in and things like that.
1: Checking in and things like that. Or or to explain different concepts. They are all recorded and then uploaded. So if students miss it, then they can. So with Stream, you can um, create a channel of classes. So you could put your offline classes there that you're kind of presenting a topic or a class, and you can also put those interactive classes on. And so together, anybody who misses the online session can also catch up with both.
0: Cool. Did you say that was on Stream?
1: Stream. So Stream's part of Microsoft. Okay. And it's it's like a SharePoint for videos, if I can explain it in that way.
0: Okay, sure. So is that not embedded in is that embedded in teams or that's like another thing outside of it
1: um it's a switch your admin needs to turn on
0: okay <laughs> okay fantastic what tech tech are your teachers using to do their screencasts
1: um a via a variety of things we haven't mandated anything um some <sighs> As you know, or may or may not know, Google's persona non grata in China. So, one of the things that's been very difficult at this point is that uh, all our tools have to be China friendly. And um, some tools that are even, some tools that may be China friendly do things like use Google Fonts. Mm. And so then they'll work or not work, or they'll work intermittently, or they work for some people on some Internet providers and not for other people on other Internet providers. Um, So, for example, I use Screencastify a lot, but in order to use that, you need a Google sign-in and a Google Drive in order to store the videos you want to store. And then you down. Uh, I download them and I can upload them. We have a thing called Web TV, which is like a video um, storage for our um, teachers. So then I'll download it and upload it onto there, or I'll upload them onto um, SharePoint and then share the link to people. Um, some people use Screencast-O-Matic, um, some people just record themselves on teams, so that's also a way you could do it. You could just start up a meeting and then not have anybody in your meeting, but you can screencast you can share your screen uh you can share the whiteboard and just record that mm. so there's all sorts of ways you can use um you can do your screening um Some people are using loom I think um it's not something I've investigated personally. Um, And, of course, the whole elementary kindergarten thing is a whole different kettle of fish. So um, that's really, really tricky. I'm kind of glad I'm in middle school at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think it makes it easier. Um, I spoke to Sally and you are from um, Beijing, China. Uh, Beijing City International School today as well, yeah. um, and they had yeah. some fantastic advice. And it actually sounds pretty incredible what they're doing at their their primary yeah. school. But um, I think it takes a lot. It takes more. You can't just kind of leave the Hats students to, to do. Them. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, and to educators who have young children. I mean, I've got a I've got a sixteen year old, and um, you know, it's been going quite. I mean, that's another piece of advice: relationship first. And let the teacher be the teacher. So even though I'm kind of a teacher, I'm backing way off. Um, And until I get a notification from his teacher that he's not meeting expectations, I'm trying to just bite my tongue all the time about the times he gets out of bed and whether he's up to date. <laughs> Some days and weeks are better than others. Especially if I've been up from like three AM and he kind of stumbles out of bed at twelve, by which time I'm ready to go back to bed.
0: <laughs> no, that's good advice. That's good advice to lay off in the teenagers and let them, you know, wait till you get that call from the from the teacher. I like it. Um what other tech are you using at the school? So what have we talked about? We talked about Moodle um, explain everything, Microsoft Teams, Microsoft Stream, Screencast stuff yeah. like Screencastify, screencast matic Teams and Loom. Any any other tools that you've been finding really helpful?
1: Library guides. I okay. mean, I just cannot, um, I cannot praise them enough. Um, I'm just trying to even look what we're using because I tend to um i'd say more than talking about t- tools you really you need to talk about um what are my needs mm. in terms of so there's there are so many gazillion types of tools right so i think it's really important to say um what why what do i want to do why do i want to do it why do i think it will still work online and what's the best tool to do that for. And so I want to do a shout out for Alison Yang um, in the Korean International School. Um, she did this really great thing where where she talked about Oreo learning. So she talks about a bit objective responsibility, expectation, and organisation, and she did that really early on the uh, during the whole online learning thing. And I'm using that to scaffold a lot of what I push out to teachers and to parents and to students. And then within that, she talks about tools for online discussion and connection tools for creating and checking for understanding, tools for enhancing information retention via multimedia materials and tools to streamline and sequence learning. And I think we shouldn't just talk about tools, we should talk about why we're going to do it. So um, if we talk about discussion and connection, we've been using um, Flipgrid quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, we've been using Zoom. I do have a lot of reservations about Zoom, um, just in terms of privacy, and and that should be a a, a priority, is child protection, um, teacher protection, because that's the flip side, and we have had some nasty instances of teachers incorrectly being, not at our school. thank heavens, but um, of teachers being um, accused of things, and that was on the physical environment, not the online environment. Um, What's wrong with Zoom? Pres- what
0: are some of the reservations about Zoom?
1: Um, the reservation, well, the the big reservation is who owns um, who owns the data and who records the data. So for uh, in zoom, anybody can record, which you would think is an amazing thing. But, um, if your recordings get hacked and people use snippets of recordings out of context, or if you're having say a live PE or dance class or whatever, and, um, you know, p- people can edit e- anything, um, mm. uh, so I feel somewhat more secure using Teams where I know it's on our cloud and we own the data and we decide who can record the meetings and where it gets stored and how it gets stored so it's our security issue mm. um with a lot of these cloud based things that are not on your systems and servers um And I know Zoom's been very proactive in sending out notifications on how to, and and this is the problem as well. You rush into something, um, anything where administration can't set your default settings in terms of privacy and security and who can do what um, becomes a bit of a wild west situation because people with the best intentions go into something and then, you know, there've been hackers <laughs> streaming live porn during sessions. And um, there have been people taking um, video clips. And, and, you know, there there's so many memes now about online education with with people doing inappropriate things. And, you know, I feel really sorry for those educators. Um because they're trying their best, they're doing their best, they can't necessarily control what the people in the audience are doing. If they publish the link live, and they haven't put in settings that they can, who they allow into the meeting, they could have some random weirdo in their class. <laughs> and so, yeah, recently, the last few days, Zoom's been incredibly proactive in in sending out notifications please sort out these settings. Please make sure you enable these privacy things to go on. So That's um, good.
0: I mean, in in terms of that recording, though, anyone who's part of the screencast or the the online thing can just switch on some external program anyway. So, I mean, it is definitely an issue. I think there's lots of ways. If people are malicious, there's lots of ways they can get around it. Irrespective yeah. of the technology, um, is I guess something I'd 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 want to say at that point.
1: Absolutely, know your community, and I think keep communicating with your community, and you just don't want people who are not in your community on that call in the first place, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so back to those needs, let's just let's just close with that, and and so you talked about. Can you take us through those needs and and some of the. Technological options for them
1: Okay, so I spoke about the communication ones um, and the ones we're using Um, Creating and checking for understanding Um, Teams uh, Microsoft the forms are really good Um, We've been using Wakelet Um, Padlet would be a great one, but that wasn't um, China friendly for us explain everything um, any casting, screencasting um, option. We were using uh, Pear Deck, um, but, again, we had issues with that online. So for the rest of the world, it would be great. Um, <clears throat> multimedia um, materials, Khan Academy is always good. Uh, TED Ed, um, lessons. Um, YouTube would be a good one if you don't have a problem accessing YouTube. Uh, streamlining and sequence learning Um, we're using Moodle for that Uh, we're starting to use Teams more for that Um, I want to give a shout out as well to Education Perfect Um, they're offering a lot of um, good um, per subject they're a little bit Aussie and New Zealand based still but they're um, Adding curriculums for other um, types of curriculums very fast. Um, they've also given some free access to educators, and so far, our teachers and students and parents are really liking their um, their content. Um, so, yeah, also kind of looking at assessment and feed uh, feedback. Uh, Quizlet, uh, Nearpod, Mentimeter. Um, what else is working uh, of course whatever we subscribe to usually so we also use our um, uh, brain pop we have um, epic books we've got uh, um, Sora overdrive for online books so we're using that a lot for curation um, I'm using uh, library guides as I mentioned before um, in the primary we're using um Just plain old WordPress uh, blogs, Uh, maybe old-fashioned but they're working really well for the primary um, level.
0: Great. Any final advice uh, to teachers out there looking to do the online thing?
1: Yeah. Our first bit of our conversation, unfortunately, was before the recording and that is when When you can't do things online, really think of the things that you didn't get around to or didn't have time for in the physical environment. And the example I gave were online labs for um, science and to substitute teaching uh, students how to make that bridge between scientific literature and journal articles and popular press and kind of the Knowledge or fake knowledge or um, information and ideas that need to die. Um, so I'd love to see teachers really doing a lot more of that bridging and scaffolding because teaching kids literacy, information literacy, digital um now more than ever, you have maybe a little more time to do that and you can um, – Use the time that you can't do some things instead of getting frustrated and do that kind of thing which are going to take your students into the future, into, from middle school to high school, from high school into uni, um, and just to be really good citizens and information users and curators and creators
0: where can people go to find out more from nadine or, or what would you recommend like twitter your blog um other people's blogs other people to follow on twitter what what recommendations do you have
1: um i try and, i try and keep up my blog i'm still an old blogger um so uh i post intermittently maybe now a little bit more um than before so yeah my blog um twitter um i'd say to people really talk to your teacher librarian. Um, they are a font of knowledge and unfortunately don't always get um, the attention or the power they need to help people. Um, they they often get neglected in this. Um, I'd like to give a shout out, like I gave a shout out for Alison, um, our MYP coordinator Stephen Taylor, who's also a biology um, teacher and about to become our um, director of teaching and learning at Web, um, people who do things like culture of thinking, um, people who are looking at student agency, um, and anybody really who's been in the trenches for the last nine weeks, I think, um, are a good people good people to follow. Um, There's a couple of Facebook um, groups that have set up around this, um, and you can very quickly see people who are taking a lead in that, Um, just, it's been an incredible community uh, to be part of this whole uh, whole thing, yeah.
0: Nadine Bailey, thanks so much for your time today. it's been incredible to have you on. This interview is kind of the last one for me on a, a day of seven interviews, um, and you've really, you've really bring it all, brought it all together. You've talked about so many incredible resources to use, and the thing that I really loved about what you said uh, was about it's not about saying what tech is it that we need or what tech's available. It's about saying what needs do we have that we need to fulfill through technology and then finding the right tools to fulfill those needs. Um, I guess if we re- link it back to other ideas of, within education, it's like Wiggins and M- Mctyre's understanding by design and their idea of backwards design. It's working out where you're trying to get to and what tools, what strategies, what approaches are going to help us to get there. So that's a really powerful idea and I think a fantastic place uh, to finish the that for me, these seven, seven interviews today, uh, there might be some more that come along. I'm, I'm in, very interested in Alison Yang, who you mentioned, as well as the Brisbane Catholic Education. I might follow up with them. Uh, but thanks so much for your time today. It was, it was a pleasure speaking to you.
1: Okay. Great speaking to you too.
0: If you enjoyed this chapter of the ERRR podcast online education special, please share it with friends and colleagues. And please consider supporting the ongoing production of the ERRR podcast at patreon.com forward slash ERRR. Signing up as a patron helps to communicate to me the value that listeners are receiving from the podcast and helps to keep the production of the podcast financially sustainable into the future. That's patreon.com forward slash ERRR. I hope that you enjoy the rest of this education special.